Empire. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of my podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcast. And do me a favor and subscribe to us on YouTube. Go to the Empire Media YouTube page. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. There you go. Today, I'm joined for the second time this week by former tight end Logan Paulson as we discuss the Carson Wentz trade. Why did Paulson have such a big range of thoughts on this move? What he saw that he liked? The big arm. What concerns him? The locker room. We cover it all. You can follow Logan on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson 82. Give him a follow. Just put some really good insight on that page. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a reaction piece to the Wentz move on ESPN.com now. Some interesting numbers from Washington's quarterbacks over the last four years and why I think they would build a statue to Wentz if he puts up the numbers did last year compared to what we've seen over the last four or five years. Before I play my interview, a couple thoughts. Washington's coaches are well aware of all that Wentz brings to the table. The good and the bad, the question in the locker room, et cetera. But what they saw on film that convinced them to make the trade, a guy who can make throws that nobody here has been able to make in several years or longer. Their thought is he can open up the field and therefore the playbook because of this. And it will offset any questions about the other side to him. Listen, again, if you threw for 27 and seven this year, we're talking statues. Now I'm of course kidding because, but it would be one of the best years that we've seen here in a while. Statistically, I know there are questions about his personality. I don't think you can minimize those. Logan and I talk about it. What I'm told by those who know him well He's a type A personality, first in, last out kind of guy. Works very hard, practices the same way. Keeps a small circle of friends, so he's not someone who works the locker room. I've heard he's not a bad guy, but he's also not a natural, outgoing leader either. So in Indy, he's following Philip Rivers, who is exactly that kind of guy. In Philly, it sounds like Jalen Hurts is a, is a strong leader. That's not Carson Wentz. So that's something that I'll be honest. That's one thing that surprised me here because one thing I had been told they wanted was someone who's a strong leader. So we'll see lead by example, things going well, probably going to be okay. There were issues in Philly at the end. And some of that stemmed from his reaction to the Jalen hurts uh, draft pick. When you get in that situation, you haven't cultivated relationships, then teammates don't always come to your side, but he's a definite upgrade. And this team knows it. And again, I think he's going to come here. Listen, if you're, he should come here humble. This is his third team in three years, and you'd have to. And as somebody else told me, it was close to him. Like, there's got to be some self-reflection going on with him. So if you come here a little bit humbled, and maybe alter your approach a little bit as far as um, you know how you are with others or in meeting rooms, whatever, that it, you maybe this can be a bonus for him. As for the cost, I think this is a statement on what people think of this draft class and the desperation everybody feels to get a quarterback. It's why Denver gave up what it did to get Russell Wilson. In all honesty, if I if I think Wilson, if, if I'm a team and I have Wilson, I think he can play at a high level for another four or five years. There's no way I trade him. So to me, it was a little bit telling that Seattle actually pulled the trigger. But it's that cost too of his contract, fifty million. Are you going to be able to build around him at that cost? And what's the level of play for Aaron Rodgers? He's still, you know, maybe he's more worth it. I don't know, but I think that was a consideration there too. But again. I think it just tells you about where people are with quarterbacks. I do like Wentz more than Garoppolo in part, 
a move for him in part because you would have you would need to have extended Garoppolo and then probably pay him in that $35 million range. And I don't know that anybody wants to do that. The one thing that when you look at both those quarter, both these quarterbacks, I think Garoppolo is a much more outgoing guy and probably more, much more popular guy in the locker room. Teammates love him. So you would have gotten that with him. But I remember even talking to somebody here and my point to them was he's in the perfect spot for him right now. Jimmy G is. He had a really good coach, play caller and Kyle Shanahan, great running, a really good running game, skill talent around him. And it was 20 touchdown passes. So like, you know, what's, did he already hit a ceiling as, as a play? What's he going to get here? That's better than what he had there. He's not period. I think with, with, with Wentz, you can look at that and say, he's got more, he's going to have a better roster skill talent, wise, skill position wise around him. They didn't have anybody like Terry McLaurin over in Indianapolis. And as you'll hear with Logan, they didn't have a Logan Thomas either. So, you know, I think the, the key for them is Deami Brown has to develop. Curtis Samuel has to be healthy. And I would still add somebody there. I think the question is, and Logan and I didn't really get into this because we talked a lot about free agent quarterbacks the other day. And, and by the way, on that podcast, we talked about other positions too. So go back and give it a listen. Is this better than getting a Mitch Trubisky or Jameis Winston as a free agent where you only pay around 10 million and then you can keep building both through the draft and with salary cap with, through, through free agency? and then try again next year. That's the question. I think that's one that we're going to have to pay attention to, but I know some who would say it is, it is not um, better or that that route would have been better. Clearly, Washington feels that this way is the way to go. This also means they don't have to take a quarterback at 11. I still think the only one they would take there is Kenny Pickett. Do they do it now? I, I'm not certainly not convinced of that. Um, some people I talk to feel Washington would not draft a guy considering they gave up two picks for Wentz, one of which almost assuredly will be a second rounder in 2023. But I know when talking to people here leading up to this, they could pair a quarterback, a rookie quarterback with him, maybe more so in the second or third round. And probably in this draft, you're looking second. But this does free them up to take any spot they want at 11 or trade back. The problem with trading back, as someone else told me, quarterbacks aren't good enough for, to convince teams to trade up four. And so if you're looking at Pittsburgh at 18 to go up to 11, that where I think it's Pittsburgh's at 18, um, 18 or 20 to go up that high, I think would be awfully difficult, but you never know. Maybe there's somebody else there that they want, or maybe, maybe somebody does do that. That's what you hope. But what this does do again, if there's, if you have Pickett there and Devin Lloyd, and they love Devin Lloyd, well, you don't have to take Pickett. You can take Devin Lloyd and make that defense much better. So, I think Washington is a better team right now. How much so remains to be seen. I think there are a lot of questions to see if this works um, and how well it works and for how long. I like the potential skill talent um, that Wentz has here compared to Indy. I just said that. I think there's a slight risk here that you gave up two picks and most of your cap space for this year. You can get rid of him after one year if you want with no cap penalty. But that also means you would have traded a third and a two for possibly one year. And that's not good business. They can recoup some of the cap space by cutting Landon Collins or convincing him to take a pay cut. As I've told you before, I believe this is going to be a challenge. Not impossible, but it's certainly a stiff challenge. You can extend Eric Flowers, perhaps lower his cap hit this year. It's going to be $10 million, um, so they're going to have to be creative here. Clearly, this also means no Brandon Sheriff. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I think he was gone regardless. Anyway, those are some of my thoughts. After this break, I'll be joined by Logan Paulson. He had very mixed feelings about this move. Find out why. 
Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strengths for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States. They prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for being a sponsor of our show. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Logan Paulson. All right, Logan. Well, so if people are watching this, they can see I haven't shaved yet. So you're going to see me on the 7 a.m. Sports Center tomorrow morning, and I will look completely different. I will have shaved by then. But now this is like trade mode. You know, you got the whiskers and all that. So, but I am curious, Logan, people don't care about my beard growth or whatever, or my growth, the stubble. Trade, what do you think about the trade? Uh, I've kind of gone through a couple different moods with it, actually. Like initially I was kind of upset about it. Then I kind of talked myself into it. Then I talked with some people that I knew in Philly who were there with Carson. And then now I'm kind of coming back down a little bit. And I think, um, <coughs> excuse me. So I think, I think if you look at it just from a player standpoint, just what he brings to you athletically, I think he's an upgrade, right? Obviously, he, he's got a nice arm, quick release, doesn't see the field super great. I think the back injury he had is still bothering him. He doesn't move around as well as he did in 2016, 2017, but has some athletic movability type stuff going to his game. The accuracy thing is something that comes up pretty consistently, and it's not big misses. It's like you know, you're trying to hit the receiver on the throat and the ball sails a little on you and it makes make and it forces the receiver to make a tough catch. He does have a little playmaker to him, which you like in a way that a guy like Jimmy G doesn't have. But with that playmaker comes a lot of variance to his game, right? It comes a lot of, you know, there are some really like, wow, fantastic. I can't believe you made that throw plays. And there's also a lot of head scratching kind of turnover worthy plays, which you know, to my eye, he probably has between three and five of those a game, right? So everyone says only seven interceptions, but those turnover-worthy plays, that number is pretty high. And I think you kind of ride that with a certain level of variance. You know, sometimes the defense catches it, sometimes they don't. So maybe next year they catch more of him and he has 14 interceptions. It's just that's kind of how he plays the game. So I think from that standpoint, you probably feel like he's on the same level as Jimmy G. And when you look at the deal, you probably would have would have had to give up more money and maybe more trade value to get Jimmy G here. So that feels good. But the problem with this is this is only for a year. So what is the long-term solution it is my question. Why I have a problem with it. You gave up three, two third round picks, right? And if, and everyone says, oh, you can cut bait after this year. But if, if you're going to cut bait after next year, then what was the point of it? Is it just to kind of appease the fans? Is it just kind of make everybody happy? Because I definitely think it is an upgrade, but, what is like, what's the vision here moving forward, I think is the thing that gets me going. And then after, like I said, I talked with some people that I said knew him and you hear kind of 
less than positive things about him as a leader and how he is in the locker room with the guys, which again is somewhat uh, concerning when he's coming into a locker room that has a kind of a storied um, history, at least recent history of not getting along super well. And, and that that's something I asked somebody um, today. I said, Hey, I've heard a lot about Carson. He goes, it's probably all true. Or he goes, he didn't say probably he goes, it's all true without me even saying whatever it was. Right. So that was his first comment on that. Um, what were some of the, because I think you bring up a good point too about, you know, what's the long-term plan. I still think that drafting a quarterback is on the table. Where that is, I don't know, but it's still on the table. What were some of the other things when you looked at the film, because you went back and watched it today, and I actually watched some of him a couple of weeks ago because I knew he was an option. I watched some of the Jacksonville game today. Um, what were some of the other things that jumped out at you as far as like, the, you know, is just any any little things or games where you just felt like, We'll go. Let's go to the plus side first. That that. Yeah. So I forget which game I was watching. I think it was the New England game. Obviously, he's still got this kind of this big arm and this playmaking ability to him. I think I referenced that earlier. Like he's rolling to his right. There's no pressure. T.Y. Hilton's run a skinny post or skinny corner, keeping it high. And he just, with a flick of a wrist, is able to launch it out there. And then in that same sequence, goes down there, gets a little bit of pressure, rolls to his left, flick of a wrist, back corner of the end zone, easy ball for the receiver. And it just looked, those plays are why he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in 2016, just because he's got this knack for making those plays happen. Um, I think that that high upside, forcing the defense to defend every blade of grass is something that Taylor Heineke just can't do. Alex Smith just can't do. And now you bring a guy in who opens up that level of the defense and forces them to cover that, that deeper third of the field. And quite frankly, Scott Turner, at least to my eye, wants to push the football down the field a little bit more. And here is a guy who has the physical skill set to get that done. And up until this point, there hasn't been a guy here that's been able to do what Carson Wentz is able to do from a physical standpoint. Now, you know, we talked a little bit about the positives. Some of the negatives is he's a guy you got to kind of insulate a little bit. And one, what I mean by that, you got to be able to run the football. You got to be able to do some quick game. You got to be able to kind of make easy throws for him because he doesn't always make the best decision. Like when he's processing his eyes are all over the place. I think, you know, I don't know, I've talked to you about Jameis Winston and how consistent he is with his eyes, right. holding the safety, working the read, manipulating the linebacker. And it's just so deliberate. And Carson Wentz is a little bit more frenetic with his eyes, kind of darting here and there to and fro. And that makes me, it's a, it raises questions about how we're seeing the defense. Do you think some of that stems from a guy who's trying to transition from being a guy who can get out of pocket, make a lot of plays, versus now needing to stay in the pocket and have to read it differently or maybe read it, process it in a way he hasn't before? That's a really good question. And, and the answer is, I don't know. I think um, I think he had elements of that to his game before, but the pro well, then he could take his time and buy time. And he, and, and he just had longer to hold the football because of his athletic traits. Obviously now that's not who he is anymore. And so maybe that is an issue. Maybe that is an issue working from the pocket. I will say another thing that jumps out on tape is they asked him to do a lot of stuff with the line of scrimmage getting them into right plays, getting them into more advantageous calls. And when you talk to people like at the combine about the way third down offense is going, first and second down offense is going, that's a big element of it. It's just having a quarterback back there who can say, oh, we're getting this rotation. Let's check to run away. Oh, we get this front. Let's check to this run. Oh, it's third down. It looks like it's man. Let's check to this play. And having that ability at the line of scrimmage again, the confidence to get that done, I think is extremely advantageous. So not only does he have these physical skill set, but this mental element, which appears to be on tape, 
And I think that's just going to elevate and th- make things easier for him, hopefully. Um, but yeah, in terms of his his eye movement and things like that, it maybe he never cultivated that skill set. I don't remember him having that issue back in the day. But again, he was playing in a more Russell Wilson style then, right? right, right kind of right. working to get to off schedule where throws are more open and easier kind of reads from that late in the down type of uh, throwing element. Well, we saw too when he would play this team. He had the one. I think there was a season opener the one year where I think it was the third down on the first drive. They stopped him on first, second down, third down around the forty-eight or whatever. Have him for a sack, dead to rights, spins out of it and throws a touchdown pass. Like that's yeah. the kind of stuff that when you talk about Russell Wilson type stuff, that's that's what he's doing. The other thing I know, the one thing that that I know that they were looking for guys who have some of that quick twitch in their throw, and. A, Felt like I saw that with him, where and by that I mean it's not just a howitzer for an arm, but it's a see it go, see it go when you're making yeah. your reads. And also, do you have to get your feet around to make that throw to make a right. strong throw? Seemed like I saw that with him. What do you think? I 1000% agree with that. You know, that you know, you mentioned that play back in whatever 2016 where he broke the tackle, and mm-hmm. that guy's kind of gone, he's a shadow yes, of himself. But I will say the elements you just talked about, and it's funny when I was watching my, I thought about our conversation, the ball comes out of his hand quick. It's effortless to throw the ball downfield. Like in, he can accelerate his feet and his drop to get the ball out quicker, which is something you like to see from guys in the pocket. So there, again, in some ways, I like his film. I like his arm talent better than a guy like Jimmy G, for example. And if you compare them and you compare the rosters that are around them, obviously Jimmy G had, maybe one of the most dynamic skill position groups in the NFL, right? So his play is going to be slightly elevated. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan, one of the best offensive minds in all of football, is calling the play for him. Then you compare that to what Carson Wentz was dealing with when he was in Indianapolis, and you have Michael Pittman and blank, right? Uh, Taylor in the backfield. And in terms of throwing, like there's times where he's he's working to throw the football down the field and it's just blanketed across the board. Yeah. I think he could work through his progressions maybe a little bit quicker, but could you imagine if he had guys who could win a little bit more quickly or more dynamic, yeah. like a Terry McLaurin, a healthy Curtis Samuels, a deep threat like uh, De'Ami Brown, if he kind of can grow into what he needs. And those are big ifs, in my opinion, those, those latter two. Also, Logan Thomas, if he's healthy, is better than Jack Doyle at this point in his right. career. So all those things are really important variables. But again, like you're kind of you're kind of squinting and turning your head and looking at it in a very specific way, because three of those four guys I just talked about, two of them were hurt all last year. And one of them was a rookie who hasn't quite turned the corner right. yet. So right. you're, you're asking for you're you're making big assumptions about the state of this roster to support Carson Wentz. I, I agree look- with I agree with that wholeheartedly. And that's why I'd still look for a guy in the draft. Another weapon. Um, two more things. One. Do you feel that they are a better team now with Carson? I, I mean, I think it's it's hard to say otherwise. I think when you look at what he does and what he brings, like, yes, he is. The team is better. And you look at their schedule last year and the games that they lost. You probably win three more games with him at quarterback. And I, that's that's a big deal. That's a significant deal. And you look at what he can do from an arm talent standpoint. And there are times where there's throws last year that Taylor Heineke just physically can't make. And those are now on the table. Right. And I think he does have a better process of the offensive line. He's got more experience. He can get you in the right plays. Like all that stuff is just going to heighten the group. The other stuff, you know, the, the leadership stuff, 
the inconsistency because you know there's a lot of variance in like we mentioned um turnover worthy plays there's a lot of variance in his game there's times where you're like oh my gosh like that's spectacular i can't believe he just made that throw and then you're kind of going the other way and saying that is terrible why is he throwing that football there he's always there's an element so in 2016 he was really kind of playing a lot of hero ball but he was physically capable of doing it and now when you watch him, I don't I don't think he's capable the same way. So he's got to kind of shift gears and say the play's dead. The ball has to be out of my hand, even if I'm throwing it away, just to live to play another day. And I think if he can learn that, it's a big if now. Like, you know, he's had a couple of years of kind of managing this transition in his career and he hasn't done it. But if he can get that done and even without that, he's 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 definitely an upgrade. He's a good football player. He's in that Jimmy Garoppolo kind of sphere. Um the question is, can you help him grow and foster that that growth? Because I will say in Indianapolis, they built that whole offense to kind of limit his tough decision making. Uh, and I'd like to think that Scott Turner can do something similar here, but we'll have to see. We'll see. And then the last thing is when you talk about the locker room stuff, how important is that at that position? I mean, I think it's hard to overstate. I think it depends on the guy, too. You know, like when Robert was a rookie in 2012, no one had any questions about his leadership abilities, right? Even though he was, uh, you know, people had their kind of gripes about him being a little bit of a different personality. Like no one said a word because we were winning football games and he made the team better. The issue comes where you're not performing to what your billing was. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're brought in to make this team better. And then all of a sudden you're, the team is not better and people start griping with you. And how do you handle that type of in locker room adversity? And good leaders can kind of shoulder that and march straight ahead. Like Matt Ryan was a great example of that, right? Locker room's kind of in flux, but he was, you know, like the North Star. You could set your compass by him. You get there at the same time every day. Nothing was different. He would he would be tough with you, but also supportive and walk that fine line, especially, you know, kind of with different individuals. He just made it work in a really nice way. And I look at, from what I've heard about Carson, that's something that he's had a hard time with. Yeah. And in a locker room where there's a lot of, friction already and there's some different personalities big personalities um that might be an issue however you know i was thinking about this before i got on the call with you and ron excels in that area ron seems to excel at keeping the team kind of on the tracks so maybe it's not up to him to lead the team maybe ron can kind of shoulder some of that burden and 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 help the team kind of respond to ron's leadership as opposed to carson's leadership and i think the big key there is you go out and you have early success and then everybody's going to love you. So then you go from there. So yeah. Logan, thanks a lot. It's time for me to go shave. I got to go do get ready and tape a hip for sports <laughs> center at 7am. So my couple my couple week growth is coming up and it's embarrassing to call this a couple week growth. So thanks. <laughs> thanks. But I do appreciate you coming on man for a second time this week. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you having me. That's it for this bonus episode. Thanks to Logan for joining me again. And thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with another episode soon. We'll continue to explore Carson Wentz and what this move means and get you some more people who have insight into him. Talk to you next time.